The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So I want to tackle a really uh, simple, kind of easy topic in this message this weekend, and that is the key to happiness. I figured, you know, we can do that half an hour, no problem. An issue that philosophers have wrestled with for millennia, that religions have tackled, that wars have been waged over. I mean, we got this. This is fine. No problem. (laughs) So what is the key to happiness? Especially when we make it look like this is fine, and it's obvious to everyone around us, this isn't fine. Everything's not okay. Uh, You probably will recognize this quote, but it's this, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. Right, that all men are created equal, and let's see, and they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and happiness. No, that's not what it says. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which leaves you with this impression that happiness is something we're always pursuing but never arriving at. Happiness is something we're always chasing but never getting. It's a summit that we're always climbing but never arriving to. What a great inalienable right as offered by our founding fathers. Thank you for that. We are so grateful that in the Declaration of Independence signed in, you know, signed or... I don't know, not a started, I guess declared. You declare independence uh, on July 4th, 1776. And for the last 243 years as a nation, we have been pursuing the American dream, which is the pursuit of happiness. And so what would it take? What would it take for you to write or say something like this? And what do you think the person who wrote this and said this was experiencing? They wrote, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So I am happy and I will continue to be happy. And so I was thinking about this, and I don't know what immediately comes to your mind, but maybe this is somebody who's like in the middle of their vacation, and so they're thinking, I'm happy, everything's good, I got a little bit more vacation left, and then I have to go back to work, but I'm happy, and I'm going to continue to be happy. Maybe, maybe it's some guy uh, finishing up his honeymoon, and he's thinking, this is good, we had a good honeymoon, and my, my marriage is going to be a honeymoon, it's going to be awesome. Or maybe somebody who just recently got a promotion and they're like, it's good, it's going to continue to be good. Or maybe maybe they just retired and they're just kind of settling into retirement. They're like, I'm happy and I'm going to continue to be happy. What would it take for you personally to say something like, every time I think about, I am always praying with joy. And what would it take for you to write something like, I am happy and I will continue to be happy? Whatever comes to your mind, I doubt it's anything like the circumstances that surrounded what was actually going on when these words were penned. So I'm just going to bring you back. I doubt the first thing that comes to mind is a guy sitting in prison, shackled, 
having been wrongfully arrested and is potentially facing the death penalty. And if you knew who he was riding to, I doubt what, would you, what you would think would come to mind would be a church suffering persecution, suffering through profound abuse and poverty. Because that would be absurd. Why would anyone say, I'm happy and I will continue to be happy even though I'm facing the death penalty and I'm suffering shackled in prison? In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote those words in a letter to the church in Philippi, a church that he had started about 10 years earlier. 10 years earlier, when he was traveling through Europe and started the very first Christian church in Europe in this city of Philippi. When he got to the city, he began to tell people about Jesus and as he was telling people about Jesus, he, he met a young woman who had become a, he, she, was human, she was being human trafficked. She had someone who owned her and controlled her. And so he rescued her out of her human trafficking condition. But the man who owned her became angry and led a mob to arrest Paul and his friend Silas. They were arrested, they were stripped, they were beaten, and then they were shackled, and they were put in prison. This is what Paul remembers when he says, I remember you with joy. Maybe those of you in Chambersburg, you can relate to this. Because, um, no, I mean, I'm not saying you champions where you're suffering. I'm saying maybe you guys will respond to me. I feel like everybody else, they're not, they're not responding. So, hey, follow me here. So here's Paul thinking back on being in prison, having been wrongfully arrested for something. When he was doing the right thing, he was treated wrong. And now in prison, he remembers back to being in prison when it feels like you're far away from happiness. You don't even have a, really have a chance to pursue happiness. But I, I wanna bring you back to 10 years earlier. Th this story is, it's a, it's a historical narrative in the book of Acts, which is an account of the early church. So in Acts chapter 16, we find the story of Paul and Silas in prison, in Philippi, having been arrested for doing the right thing. And here's a story. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? Come on, some of you, you've, maybe you've read this before and you're like, oh yeah, I know what happens. No, no, no. Some of you, stop reading like you know what happens. You gotta read this like it really happened. Like for real, like you're writing, like we're, the dude's in prison with his friend. They rescued a girl out of human trafficking. They get arrested. They get stripped naked. They get beaten. They get put in a prison and they're in shackles and they're there like praying and then they're singing and they're, they're worshiping God and the other prisoners are listening to them. Yeah, me too. I'd be like, what is wrong with the, whatever they're, they must be in Colorado because they were smoking something. <laughs> Suddenly... Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. I don't know, I've heard other pastors preach this and they were like, God was up in heaven and God was like, 
oh yeah, this is good. He starts stomping in the prison, starts shaking, whatever. That's different kinds of preachers tell, tell stories like that. All I know is uh, the story goes that God sent an earthquake that began to shake the prison and, it, and the foundations of the prison broke and were shaken. And at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because this would be a capital offense, right? If you're the prison guard and your whole job is to keep prisoners in prison and all the prisoners escape, then you deserve the death penalty. And so the honorable thing is to kill yourself. And so he's about to kill himself doing the honorable thing. Hold up, I missed it. Somebody jump back here. And the prisoners, because all the prisoners had escaped. I did read it, all right. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. It's interesting. Paul's singing and celebration was not rooted in freedom from prison because even when he was offered a freedom from prison, they all stayed. He was like, I don't need to get out of prison to sing. I don't need to be free from my chains to celebrate. He said, I don't need to escape. And now he is, 10 years later, in another prison, thinking about the church in Philippi, and he writes this, in all of my prayers for all of you, I will always pray with joy. Every time I'm praying for you, I just, I start smiling, I start clapping, I start singing. I'm not going to do it because I cannot sing well. It would not be joyful for you. But Paul is like, every time I just think about you guys, and you know, it seems like every time I'm in prison, I think about you guys in Philippi. And he goes, but when I think about you and I start praying for you, I, I'm, I, my prayers are filled with gladness, with, with joy, with, with delight. And then just a few verses later, he says, so because of all of that, I'm happy. And I will continue to be happy. I mean, they could literally drag me to my death and I'll be, they'll be putting me to death and I'll be happy. Now, here's, here's the key, right? Here's the question. Is this like a, is this like a, this is fine mind trick? Or is there a treasure tucked into this narrative? The treasure that Paul discovered the secret not to pursuing happiness, but to actually arriving at happiness. I'm going to offer that this is no mind trick. You know, if you're talking to somebody sitting at the beach, you know, lounging and, you know, sunbathing and, and life is good and they got a shirt on that says life is good and they're telling you about happiness they might not have it all figured out. But if you're reading the letter of a guy sitting in prison who writes things like, every time I pray for you, I'm just filled with joy. And I'm happy, and I'm gonna continue to be happy. I'm gonna listen to that guy. Be because his joy and his inner gladness is not anchored in the roller coaster called life. And the lesson that he offers is simply this, enjoy life. Now, y'all think I mean something different when I say this. You, he, the lesson is two simple words, enjoy life. And the key, the lesson he, he teaches us from prison is that you and I can enjoy life. There is a challenge with this, though. You can't enjoy what you don't have. It'd be like me right now saying, enjoy your ice cream. And you're all like, oh, man. Come on, man. That was last week. We, we, had the, we had Sundays on Sunday and Saturday last week. Now we don't have any. That's just not right. 
And, and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying enjoy life, but you can't enjoy what you don't have because the only way to have joy is to have life, but we don't have life. We are living, pursuing happiness. Hold up, some of you are like trying to catch up with me. We, we don't have life. We are using the, the gift of time we have, living, constantly pursuing happiness that we will never arrive at because no matter what we use to make us happy, it never gives us what we most long for. It never satisfies. Why? Because we don't actually have life. We have a, we have a state of living called pursuing where we're always striving but never arriving. We're chasing carrots, but never get, we never get to the destination of inner gladness, inner joy. And so what we do is because we don't have it inwardly, we look for it outwardly. We create circumstances and situations and we use people and we use stuff to make us feel better. And so we trade inner gladness for the cheap counterfeit of pleasure. And so we settle for the idea that a vacation will make us feel better, that a promotion will make us feel good, that sex or um, getting the right spouse or having the right job or getting the education or entertainment or that next, um, that next te technology piece, right? That any of those things, somehow if I get them, they will make me feel good. We use it like a drug of choice. And all it does is numbs the pursuit for a brief period of time, but never giving us what we're actually striving for. We never actually bite the carrot. We just numb ourselves in the pursuit of it. Why? Because we don't have life. Therefore, we can't have joy. Because life is not found in pursuing we pursue because we are cursed with something in a, an inner death, an inner despair. And so we want inner delight, but we settle for inner despair. And so we mask our inner despair with external delights, with external pleasures, with external fulfillments. But this inner despair is the result of this inner death that biblical authors and Jesus referred to as sin. Sin is a spiritual problem where every one of us go through life disregarding God, doing what we think feels good, only to discover that just because it feels good doesn't make it good. In fact, very much the opposite. Often when we go down paths that feel good, we discover that it's bad for us. And it hurts us and it hurts others. It ruins us and it ruins others. And the end result of sin is not just that it hurts us or hurts others. It's that it separates us from relationship with God and it heads our life toward eternal ruin. And so some of you, when you hear this right now, you're going, great, now I feel even worse not only can I not enjoy life, but now you just told me that if life wasn't bad enough, I'm headed for a forever ruin. Thanks a lot, Patrick. That's not the answer. Now, I, now how am I going to enjoy life? Well, let me dive back in to Paul's teaching on how we can enjoy life. He writes it this way. He says, I, I always pray with joy. And then he gives the answer. Why is he able to pray with joy? 
when he thinks about the Philippian church. I, will, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He goes, from the first day I met you, you wanted a partner with me in the gospel. The word the gospel is, is a word for good news. He goes, you, you immediately join hands with me and you, began, you became a friend and a partner with me in good news. And now you're sitting there going, hey, I want good news because this is so far bad news. And Paul's like, that's right. The, way I, the reason I, ha- I pray for you with joy is because I know that the moment we started hanging out, you became a friend and a partner in good news. And you're like, okay, then what's the good news? Here it is. The good news is that Jesus Christ saw us in our sin and refused to leave us there. That God, that when we turned our back on God, God did not turn his back on us. God pursued us when we were running from him. He ran after us. He became one of us. Jesus Christ took our sin on himself. He took the eternal death sentence that we deserve and he put it on himself. So when Jesus died, he died on a cross, right? His hands nailed to the cross for us. Not a, not a man condemned to die for his own wrongdoing and sin, but a man absorbing our judgment, our shame, our guilt, our sin on our behalf. So that when we believe in Jesus by faith, we are forgiven. Guilt and shame removed. And in place of guilt and shame, we're given new life because Jesus not only died, He rose from the dead, and in the power of his resurrection, he frees us from the grip of sin. He frees us from the fear of death, because when you believe in Jesus, you no longer have to fear death, because you know that life doesn't end in death. Death ends in life. And you know that you're not headed toward eternal judgment. You're headed toward eternal life. Now, here's what I want you to catch from all that, what I just said, because that was a mouthful, right? That's good news. And when you hear that good news, it should make, it should fill you with an inner gladness. I mean, it should make your feet start stomping. Even if you're in prison, you you got a reason to start stomping. I mean, it should make your hands, and I can't even clap on beat, but I don't care. I'm like, woo! Here's why. Some of you, you, maybe you've been in church too long, and you, you didn't even realize this. The gospel would be laughable if it wasn't so deadly serious. Check this out. I'm going to explain to you why. Are you kidding me? Me? I deserve death. I should be going to hell. Like, I'm, I'm going to say it. Y'all too religious or too Christian or whatever. Like, I get it. I should be going to hell. And some of you all say, good. You can go to hell. <laughs> okay, follow me. I'm going to, I'm going to try to be like, like really clear, right? Like, this is ridiculous. That God, the creator of the universe, came to earth to take my lies, my unfaithfulness, my cheating, my shame, my guilt. He put it all on himself. And then he dies in my place. And then says, okay, Patrick, here, by the way, here, you can have life and goodness and love and I'll remove the guilt and I'll remove the shame. And I'm going to give you not just life, but I'm going to give you forever life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What? This is crazy. You should laugh. You can laugh. That's the point. It's hysterical. It's crazy. Ah, man, I, think I, I don't think I said that right. Because y'all, 
being way too serious. Like maybe, maybe we're allowed to laugh a little bit. Maybe we should be filled with joy. Maybe we should begin to enjoy life because now we realize this isn't the end. No, no, no. This isn't how my story ends. This is just how my story begins. God gave me his life so that I can live forever forgiven, guilt and shame removed. Now, even if I'm sitting in prison, my foot can start stomping and I'm like, are you kidding me? God has good news for me. This isn't the end. So then maybe I'll give you more. He says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He goes, you want to know what the point is? You know what? You want to know why you can enjoy life? Because God's not done with you yet. And in fact, God's got this. To enjoy life, just trust that God's got it. God's got this. He's got it under control. Paul's sitting in prison. He, he, he's shackled in prison. And, and he's praying and he's singing because he's thinking, God, you got it totally under control. I, I totally trust you. So God, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to tell you what's going on. I mean, not that I don't think you already know, but I just figured I'll tell you anyway. And then I'm going to sing to you because you're the God who deserves my worship. You want to know why? Here's what Paul was Paul understood. His joy was not anchored in his circumstances, but his joy was sourced from a God who knows him and knows where he's at. When you discover that your joy is not based on the circumstances of your life, but your joy is sourced from a God that knows you and loves you, lives in you, knows who you are, and knows where you're at. Now, you're, now you have a source of joy that fills you and then spills out of you. This is no trick. This is treasure. I know God's got this. God is at work in my life for his ultimate good and my ultimate good. He is at work in my life for his ultimate joy and my ultimate joy. When you discover that God's good and your good are intertwined and God's joy and your joy are intertwined, then you can trust that God's got the situation that you're in under complete control. Because God is looking out for himself and for you. He is looking out for your good and his good. He is looking out for your joy and his joy, which is not anchored in circumstances. And so you sit back and trust God. I'm going to trust you that you've got this, that you know every detail of my life and that you are at work in every detail. But let's not stop there. Paul continues and he writes it this way. Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Je yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now that was a lot. I read a lot. I get it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down and make this very practical. There's a big idea in all of this. And so let me give this idea to you first. The principle is this. To enjoy life, you celebrate no matter what. Now, if we were saying this using, you know, a king in a palace sitting at a buffet as the illustration, you could sit there and say, 
yeah, Patrick, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand that my loved one just got diagnosed with cancer, or I, I just found out that our child is suffering with a terminal illness, or that I just lost my job. But when, I, when we write this, when we say you could enjoy life and celebrate no matter what, and our example is Jesus who died on a cross, and Paul sitting chained in prison, having done nothing wrong, then I think that they can relate. I, I feel like I can get them. And God kind of gets me. And so when I say enjoy life by celebrating no matter what, what do I mean? One of the, one of the key thieves of your joy is that you don't enjoy right where you're at. Let me, let me illustrate. Let me explain. No, no, no. Most of us, we say, I will be happy when, or I was happy when. We're looking ahead or we're looking back. I will be happy when I get the raise, get married when I'm no longer married. I will be happy when I get the new car, new house, when we go on vacation, when I lose weight, when I gain weight, when I get what, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you have a long list of more and better and faster and prettier and healthier, whatever it is, I will be happy when, and it, it steals the joy of the moment. Or we look back and say, I was happy when. I, I was happy when we were newly married. I was happy when the kids were at home. I was happy when life was less complicated. I was happy when, and maybe you have some political statements to fill in there. I was happier when. And, and the point is this, we think our happiness is anchored in some place we're going to arrive, we're chasing carrots, or some place I've already been, and yet when you think back to the reality of what that moment was like, you weren't happy then either. See, here's the reality. If you're only gonna be happy when you can be at the place that you most dream of. So let's just imagine. I, I can be happy when I am on vacation. Yeah, think about the last time you were on vacation. The truth is you weren't happy. Because if you can't be happy in a prison cell, you won't be happy laying on the beach. Because laying on the beach, you'll be like, oh, are you kidding me? We got the SPF 15 and we should have gotten the SPF 50. Now I'm getting sunburned. I forgot the book. Why are the kids running around? It's, it's not as good of a day as I thought it was going to be. And then the sandcows, those stupid kids walking, kicked over my kids' sandcows. I'm going to go punch it. I've seen these people on the beach. No matter what, they're just not happy. They're angry about everything, no matter what. You've been at a restaurant. You, you, like our family, we got our whole family together. We finally got a chance to go out to eat. It takes a lot to get all of us out the door. And you're seeing, and they're just not happy. But when they get there, they're not happy because they're hungry. And then they eat too much, and now they're unhappy walking out. Like, oh, now I gotta, I'm not happy to eat. I'm not gonna be able to eat for three days. Like, we're, we're not ever happy. You can be at the exact place you want to be at, and you're not gonna be happy because happiness, this, if it's an external resource that gives you happiness, you will discover that it never satisfies because true joy is an inner gladness rooted in the source of knowing God as your personal savior. And joy gives you the freedom to celebrate no matter what. And I mean celebrate. Now when we, when we gather in a church environment, we have church services, we sing. And we call that worship. And I want to encourage you that like the Apostle Paul and Silas, you can worship while you wait. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. 
They were worshiping while they waited. And some of you, your joy can come when you learn to worship while you wait. But he didn't just worship. It wasn't just an intimate singing. I I think his foot was going. And there was a little bit of praise mixed in. There was a little bit of celebration. It was more of a party. It was more of like a, look, if I'm in prison, I'm not paying attention to the guy that's singing like weird little kumbaya. But if that dude and his friend are like full out like, woo, woo, God, you are good. I'm like, that guy's got my attention. And the whole prison's paying attention to Paul and Silas because they learn how to praise in prison. And the key to your joy is learning how to celebrate God no matter what you are walking through. This is no trick. This is a treasure because you discover that this story doesn't end in death. You're just on your way to heaven. This is literally how Paul writes it. He goes like this. He goes, look, here's the deal. I know that chained in prison facing death, that if I die, I win. If I die, immediately I go to heaven, I get to spend time with Jesus forever. And if they don't kill me, I get to keep on doing exactly what God meant for me to do in this lifetime. And so he goes, no matter what, I win. Why would I not celebrate? Kill me. I get to go be with Jesus. Don't kill me. I get to stay here and tell more people about Jesus. Either way, we win. Let's celebrate. Let's sing. Let's rejoice. Let's stop moping. Some of you, the reason you have no friends is you're always discouraged and depressed and walk around moping about all the problems of life. All right. I'm trying to tell myself, behave. Like some of you, you would have way more friends if you just had a party. Actually had a good time and learned to laugh. Like right now, all of our campuses, I just want you to turn next to me and give somebody a high five. Like, see, you're allowed to. Like, gives me a high five, like a good high five. Lean over to somebody and say, like, you look good. You look good. Don't be, don't be creepy. <laughs> give them a compliment. Laugh. Seriously. Hey, I'm going to give you one more key. Do, like, I think one of the things that, for this is just Lifehouse, Pastor Lifehouse, so you're here with us. I think one of the things that really works for us, us is we've learned to laugh. And we've learned to throw parties. We've learned to celebrate. Because we believe that the good news is worth celebrating. If you're a little weirded out. Look, you, you know what? In heaven, when it says that in heaven, when people believe in Jesus Christ, heaven celebrates. The angels in heaven rejoice. Um, The apostle Paul is writing about what comes out of you when you have the spirit of God in you. And he says, love, joy. That joy just kind of like spills out of you. What fills, spills. And I want you to know, like one of the keys that just works for us within Lifehouse is we've just learned that we're allowed to laugh and we're allowed to celebrate. We're allowed to tell jokes. We're allowed to laugh at ourselves and we're allowed to just be thrilled at the privilege we have of celebrating God. And I'm just tired of us being so serious all the time. Now there's a lot of things to be serious about and we should take God really seriously. But man, let's not take ourselves that seriously. And let's just learn to love each other and laugh and celebrate. And let's just have a good time sometimes. All right. So don't walk out of here just going, okay, the key is just a party and enjoy life. No, no, no. You can't enjoy what you don't have. The key is to actually have life. 
Life only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. When you have faith in Jesus Christ, which gives you true life and eternal life, then you can enjoy it. Enjoy life. So that's my challenge, right? I want you to make a commitment to life through faith in Jesus Christ. And then I want you to make a commitment that if you have life through faith in Jesus Christ, that you're actually going to enjoy it. And so let's take a moment, let's pray. But don't, when I, when I finish praying, don't just go, amen. And then you're gonna get up and you're gonna walk out of life house. No, 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 stick, stick around. All right, here we go. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love us so much, that you gave us good news. It's true, we had, to, we had to face sorrow before celebration. The sorrow is that we deserve death and eternal judgment, but the good news that we can celebrate is that you give us life through your death and the power of your resurrection so we are forgiven and given true, free, new, and everlasting life in you. And so God, there are some that right now, they're making a commitment to believe in you by faith. Others, they've been living in the new and true life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ and just haven't been enjoying it. And so God, I pray that right now at every one of our campuses in Chambersburg, I pray joy. In our cinemas, I pray joy. In our Wilson campus, I pray joy. And so God, right now, we make a commitment to enjoy the life of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.